Community doesn't just happen. Even when you put six people in a minivan and travel almost 15,000 kilometers across the continent. On my sabbatical this summer, we drove across Canada, and no, I did not bring my tent trailer. As some of you know, the trust issues I have with my tent trailer, not working, not things going wrong with it. It's a, it's a big trip, so there's no way I was going to bring that across Canada. Now, it's hard and it takes effort to love one another, to encourage others and to act kindly to each other. It takes effort to connect with people fighting for attention while headphones are in or books are in faces or the road trip karaoke happening in the back with my little guys. It's tough to build community. So why bother if it's so hard? Why bother with community if it's just hard to do? We bother with family vacation because we need to relax and unwind and rejuvenate. That's why we all take some sort of vacation. We try to, to refocus. But we can't forget that intentionally spending time together as a family can help you learn to love each other more and to become a tighter family. So our family learned a lot about ourselves over this, this summer, uh, t- doing this big trip that we did. And what came out of it was something very special and very worthwhile. It bonded us more richly as a family than it would have if we just stayed in Langley for our summer vacation. What we learned, though, is that there's a lot of destination along the way. There's a lot of cities, a lot of Canadian places that we saw. But the greatest destination that we experienced was the journey. The journey together. You see, God has wired us to all enjoy community with others. That's how he's created us. Now, I'm not sure if you've thought about this before, but maybe you have. Being in community and closely connected with others is vital to becoming more and more like Jesus. That actually being together is important for your growth and my growth to knowing Jesus more in our lives. So we're doing a focus on discipleship for this year. Uh, And uh, you heard a little bit about this last week with Brent. He talked about five rhythms, if you were here last week. And these are some key things that we're trying to do. And one of the rhythms is today, we're talking about community with a few. And I wanted to, uh, to share with you a discovery that I've had over the past, especially the past year, of reading and researching and thinking through what does community look like for our church. So here's the nutshell. So I wanted to give you a nutshell right off the top so you kind of get an idea of exactly what we're talking about today. Community doesn't just magically happen on its own. It needs intentionality. As I follow Jesus, I need others around me to follow so that I can follow Jesus more fully. Let me say that last part again. As I follow Jesus... I need others around me to follow so that I can follow Jesus more fully. The passage I'm going to read to you today is in Hebrews chapter 10, 22 to 25. Now, we are helicoptering into the book of Hebrews today. We haven't been doing a series on Hebrews, and it's important to understand what's going on in this book. So I want to quickly go over this with you. The first thing to note is that the book of Hebrews 
there's actually no known author for Hebrews. Obviously, it's written by somebody, but God is the only one that knows who wrote Hebrews. And this author of Hebrews was, um, was probably talking to people in Rome who had broken off from the main church, started a home church, and tried to figure out what this looks like to live for Jesus now. They were educated people that were, had Jewish background, that they understood the sacrificial system, they understood um, what it meant to be a Hebrew or a Jew. But now what? Now what has, has come about with Jesus? Now he has, um, he has lived and, and died and risen again. Now what? So the, before we get into this passage, the previous verses talk about how Jesus is everything we need. And we just sang about that, didn't we? The Christ is everything we need. He is the ultimate sacrifice for our, our sins, the things that we've done wrong and put us in separation from God. Everything else compared to Jesus is not good enough. There's no other way that we can really fix this problem except through Jesus. Jesus willingly died, gave up his life and died and rose again so that we can have a connection with him, so we can have payment for the things that we've done wrong. We have everything we need in Jesus. And now we can come near to God through Jesus confidently. As followers of Jesus, this is, this, this is the thing we have in common. We, we, the central part of Christian community is that we have a hope and assurance in Jesus. So because of all this, the call, the charge, the instruction of, of what uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying comes in at verse 22. And you can follow along with me. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 22, starts off with this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance the faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We need to not act or pretend that we have this hope. We need to be assured that we have this hope. We need to grab on to this, be unswervingly or unquestionably hanging on to this one thing, that Jesus is everything that we need. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 6, 19, it says that, that Jesus is like an anchor, that, the, that Jesus is this hope, and the hope is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, that, that when everything around us is swirling around like the ocean, the anchor that keeps us grounded is Jesus. And we can know this for certain, that he has grounded us. So remember that the author is imploring this group of people that they're writing to, to remember these things. It's almost as if the writer is saying, this isn't going to come naturally to you. You actually have to hold on to this. It's going to be hard. You have to hold on unswervingly to this message of Jesus. It is very important to do this. There's a faith action that is required no matter what the circumstances we face to cling to the hope of Jesus and what he has done. The, the passage continues on in verse 24. It says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What Christ has done should stir people to action. 
If we are convinced that Jesus dying on the cross and paying for our sin is the game changer for life, we must put our faith into action. But to put our faith into action, we need to do it together, not alone. We need to do it together. We need each other because to follow Jesus is hard. It's not easy. We must not give up meeting together, it said. We must not give up to meeting together as some ha- were in the habit of doing. We are to spur one another on. Did you catch that? It said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That word in the original context was, was, can be described as irritation or exasperation to get into someone's face or an uncomfortableness. You know, I have this friend that I joke is a cowboy, so I had to lasso him and hog tie him and, and then take these away from him. They are spurs. No, you, you know that I was joking. I wasn't actually doing that. City slicker like myself. There's no way I know how to lasso or anything. But these are spurs. So when I read this in the Bible about what it looks like to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, this is where my brain went. So my friend Chris said, yeah, sure, whatever you need this for. I said, it's for Sunday. So you can imagine what these spurs are used for, right? Some of you know this well because you ride horses and maybe or maybe not you use spurs. I'm not sure because I'm a city slicker. But if you do use these, they're on the back of the boot and, they, and they, when they want to make the horse go forward, they gently massage these pokey things into the back sides of the horse, right? They just kind of like, you know, rustle, just like scratch an itch sort of thing. No, they don't do that. When you want to get a horse to go, you stick it into the sides and say, giddy up, right? You stick it in and you provoke this horse to move forward. That's what these are for. That's why these are pokey and not just something that's a light light little thing that you do to a horse. See, we Jesus followers are to provoke one another to love each other. Unselfishly, we should irritate or provoke in love. We need a little kick sometimes. We need a little kick to get going. We need other people around us to do this. We can't attain the type of love that this Bible passage is talking about solo. We can't spur ourselves. We sometimes don't know that we need to go forward. It needs someone else to stick something in our sides and say, hey, get going. We need, we are to help others to attain this love. We need others to fulfill this type of love. God has created us to need each other to be able to follow him more fully. Without each other, following, fully following Jesus is not possible. If we want to follow Jesus daily to become more and more like Jesus, we actually need to be in each other's lives. If we want to have We need to be in each other's lives, prodding and provoking and encouraging and spurring, helping to attain this love and good deeds. It just doesn't happen. If this is important, that means that failing to allow time to be in people's lives is going to affect our pursuit of Jesus. But not only that, failing to allow time to be in people's lives also affects others from pursuing Jesus. People need you in their lives so that they can follow Jesus completely. I've, I've heard people say this, and maybe you have before, that you can be a follower of Jesus and not attend church. Have you heard that before? Maybe some of you have thought that before, said that before. 
Sure, I don't need to go to a church. I don't need to go to a service to actually be a Christian. I'm going to tell you that that's true. It is possible for you to be a, a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, but not be part of a church. But the obedience and faithfulness and devotion to Jesus' teaching isn't complete if you remove yourself from people. You can't say you are obedient to Jesus fully if you ignore some of his commands. Does that make sense? You can't follow Jesus all the way and but say, I, but I won't do it with others. And how can you obey this command without others around you? I'm going to read a, a command of Jesus that he said. This is coming from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, says Jesus, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus is commanding us to love each other, and by doing so, everyone will know that we are Jesus' followers. We need each other to fulfill this. It's not solitary. By loving each other and doing good deeds for each other, it becomes a product of community. As I follow Jesus daily, I'm in the Bible as much as I can, usually every day. I've been going through 1 John, and I came across this passage this week. So in 1 John chapter 3, 16 and 18, it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with, with actions and in truth. This is what love and good deeds looks like. Not with actions, and, or with, not with words and speech, but with actions and truth. That if you have someone in your life that you know needs something, that you, and you have it, you don't just keep it to yourself. You actually help them. You actually help them do that. We need to share life with each other. Brent, last Sunday, if you were here, talked about the early church in, in the book of Acts. And in that time, people were just sharing everything with each other. Everyone was, was com, com, combined in a huge community and, they, and no one was in need. That everybody had what they needed because just, they just shared. That's what the early church was doing. That's what they started doing from the very beginning. So if we look at this passage, there's three things, three ways that we can grow in Jesus. And I'm going to pull these out for you. Maybe you noticed it. Number one is that in verse 22, to draw near. That it says uh, that we need to draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance. So that's a personal devotion that we ourselves need to do something. We need to commit our lives to Christ. We need to follow Jesus daily, pursuing him, surrendering him and spending time, allowing the Bible to transform our heart and our minds. We need to do this. The second thing is to hold unswervingly that we need to hold on to this hope that we have. There's a consistency of that. We need to consistently hold on. We need to know the hope that we have and not to stray from it. Because Jesus was faithful to us. 
We can doubt things, but we can't doubt that God loves us and that is is shown to us through Jesus Christ. But the third thing in this passage is to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. See, now it changes. There's now a social obligation for you as as a follower, if you are a follower here today. How can we possibly stick a spur to ourselves, right? How can we love one another with just ourselves? We need to do all three. We need to be in each other's lives so that we can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. We can't take one of these things out and just be solitary and just have our belief in Jesus and that's it. There needs to be all three. We need to be in each other's lives to spur each other on. So the writer of Hebrews warns this. In verse 25, they say, And don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to encourage, spur on, and all the more as we see the day of Jesus approach, coming, Jesus' return. Do you see, do you look around our world and you see how awful things are sometimes? Do you see that the end is near? We have wars and rumors of wars, corruption, injustice, unfairness, and evil. There's all this stuff going on. But one day, one day, that day will come, the day King Jesus will come and return to earth to wipe away all the sadness and the sickness and the pain and the evil and completes the coming of his kingdom that he's already started. We need to meet together more often in light of this. More often and not less. Do you see the sense of urgency that we have? The author of Hebrews knew that who they were speaking to needed to hear these things. They said because the time was near and that was 2,000 years ago or almost. But I think we also need to hear these words today from Hebrews 10. Community doesn't just magically happen on its own. It needs intentionality. And contemplating Christ's work together leads us on to good works, which is an outcome of being obedient to following Jesus. Remember what I said earlier. As I follow Jesus, I need others around me to follow so that I can follow Jesus more fully. I need you to follow Jesus. Have you heard people say before that they aren't getting anything out of church these days? Or I didn't get anything out of the message today? Or I didn't really feel it with the worship today or the music today? Maybe some of you have even said that or felt that. As a pastor for 17 years now, I've heard that an awful lot. Either in conversations on the side or just directly to me. Yeah, I didn't get anything out of it today. I wonder if these people realize that part of growing in a community is also contributing to it. I wonder if they have thought to come to a service like today, thinking of how they can contribute to help others grow in Jesus. I wonder if these people come to their community group not just to get something out of it, but to to actually listen to the Holy Spirit for guidance on how to help those around them. To pray and say, as I sit on the couch beside someone in my community group, what do they need, Jesus? Show me that today. How can I be part of their lives? And then I ask and wonder if the view of these things, these questions of whether or not they're getting anything out of it, is halting their growth in Jesus. 
These are the things that I've wondered before when I hear those things. So my answer is, so instead, let's come Sundays to celebrate what God has done, sharing with others because we are brimming over the top with what the Lord has done in our lives. Amen? We should be coming to do that. And saying, yes, Jesus is, 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 this is exciting, and life for Jesus is awesome, it is hard, but in the end, it's the best thing for me to do. So instead, let's come to our community groups to be ready to contribute, looking at those around us and praying and considering what they need to, to be more like Jesus, not to whatever I need to become more like Jesus. So instead, let's be a people, although it's hard to look to Scripture and to, say, to see what we must do by not giving up meeting together, to go deeper with others because it is crucial to our walk and their walk with Jesus. That we are needed to make this happen. We are needed. If we don't pursue a life with others, we can go years without following Jesus in this way and that, that's not okay. People will be missing you in their lives. One overarching thing I learned while I was away on sabbatical was this. I need to embrace the chaos of life. It's funny. Some of you maybe need to hear that today. I was very encouraged when I came around this idea of I need to embrace the chaos of life. I was always looking to the future, but I didn't really think about the now because the journey of life is actually my destination. A life alone in my head is not what I'm made to do. That's not what God has made me to do. I I thought when I went on sabbatical, this is what I was thinking beforehand. I'm going to go away from the church. I'm going to have this alone time and, I, and I'm going to discover something alone. I found out that I was wrong. I did not consider the need for community. The need for others in my life to be obedient, to be able to grow. I needed this trip across Canada to, uh, to be the, the metaphor of how I live my life and to actually remember, hey, it's about the journey. It's about the chaos. I need to just embrace it. It's just life. It's not supposed to be any different. I just need to be in it right now. So we can do this all together. Embrace the chaos of life. Think about this. We need to be always becoming disciples and not arriving. We need to be always becoming and not arriving at being a disciple of Jesus. That should be how we act and how we treat ourselves. We can't think, why am I not learning these things? We have to say, I need to continue learning these things and keeping my eyes on Jesus, my, the, the person that's in front of me, the one I want to be like, the one I want to pursue. So that one day when I finally arrive, I, I will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Doing life with others isn't easy. It takes hard work. So embrace the now, the, embrace the journey together. One of the things I've learned, and it's a catchphrase I've started to use, is that we need to know others and be known by others. We need to know others and be known by others. I think that's when we start to get to the heart of being together and doing life together. Then we can start to see the fruit of growth in our lives, right? Because people, other people will see it because we're in their lives for them to see it. We can't see the progress in ourselves unless there are opportunities for the spurring process to take place. If we're going 100 miles an hour and we're not stopping 
with, with things, we sometimes forget that we need to go in a different direction and we actually need a spur in the side of us to go in the right direction. We celebrate big on Sundays, yes. We celebrate together as a church. Sometimes we're more often than other times coming here to a service. But can we actually spur each other on at that level? Can we get to the point where we know each other well enough? In a group of people, about 200 here today, do we really get to know everybody closely? I think we need closer than, a closer connection than a crowd. We are created for community, and we will feel unfulfilled until we allow it to happen. That's what I've learned. So back to the trip across Canada with my family. We learned that when we put our family into a, uh, into a minivan and travel all of, those, all of those kilometers, that we can love each other and experience community as all of us are in our family have, have experienced, we can experience Christian community because all of us have decided to follow Jesus at some point. Right down to my seven-year-old who has prayed to receive Jesus. That all of us are following Jesus and we have this close connection as we did so. And as we went across Canada, there were so many things. There wasn't anything big that was catastrophic, but there was a dependency on God because we were going a far ways. We went to Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia. That's a long ways from here. That's over 7,000 kilometers. And we went all the way over there. And in that time, there was times, every time we stopped at a friend's house or an extended family's house, they would pray for us that we'd have safe travels to the next place. And every time we stopped, we'd have the same thing. What a great time of community that we experienced. And as we did that, there became a greater love and appreciation for, for each other, our strengths and our quirks that we got to know from being in that van for so long. On the way back, we went through the States and we went to, through this, uh, this state called Minnesota and right around Leech Lake, not the type of lake I want to dive into, uh, but Leech Lake in Minnesota, we were traveling through and as we were going uh, um, down the straight stretch of the highway, it opened up to a clearing where we saw some deer, we saw some trees and some fields and ahead of us was the storm. And as we were going into this storm, eventually... Um, the, the rain started coming down and it was so bad that I literally thought that I was going to have to stop everything in the middle of the highway because my wipers were not going as fast, fast enough and it was not wiping the, the, the rain far enough away, but it lightened and we continued on and this, this, this thunder and lightning was the most majestic that I've ever seen. And the lightning bolts, and if you've seen a prairie lightning storm, it's crazy. There was lightning bolts on the left side and on the right side and in front of us. And as we went through this lightning storm, it was behind us and it was so loud. It was over top of the music we were listening to in the car. We actually stopped and just listened to the, the sheer magnitude of the storm. And some of our kids were terrified by this. And some of us were just in awe of the, the magnitude of the power of what was going around with the, with, the, with the storm. But that shared experience became a highlight for us, for our trip. Unexpected. But the cool thing is that it was unexpected is that we were spending time together. And if we hadn't spent that time together, if we didn't go across the country and started coming back and happened to be in that storm at that time, we have never had that memory together. That crazy storm that we still talk about. Remember that storm in Leech Lake, Minnesota? Like that was crazy. Some of my kids do not want to think about that storm because it's a nightmare waiting to happen. But it was so profound. These experience bond, experiences bond people. 
they really bond people. You guys have memories like that too. Whereas if with friends or with family that you just bond to you together, but it needs that time spent together to be able to get to that. You know, even part of the same community group or a version of it for my whole time in Langley, some of the same people that I've been here the entire time, seven years in Langley, there's a rich relationship that forms when you stick with it. I'm telling you. Even though it's hard, even though I, sometimes I just feel like I don't want to go sometimes, we stick with it. And because of that, I have people in my life where there are, they're like uncles and aunts to my kids. So if I know if they have an issue, if they have a problem, they can go to the, the people in my community group because they know them well. And the same for their kids. Their kids can come to me and be like, hey, Uncle Wes, not really uncle, but Uncle Wes, you know, I got a question for you. I need prayer. I need, and we have this bond that we've, we've accumulated over the years. The time together is the key. If we threw up my, our hands and said, we don't have time, we're too busy, I'm telling you, I'm one of those people that have a lot going on. I'm with you. I have kids in soccer. I have kids in swimming. I have piano lessons. I have lots of things going on. And I can throw up my hands and say, I'm too busy. But if seven years ago, if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't have been able to get what I have today. I wouldn't be where I am today with this close friendship with these people, knowing these families closely. Because we go for hikes together, we do clean up around the neighborhood together, we do, we do community group together, we go to the church picnic together, we do life together, we meet outside of time together, our official group time to meet. So how about you? Do you have community with a few? If you do, is it regular? Is it increasing more and more as the day of Jesus' return is approaching? Because that's what the Bible said, right? That you would meet more and more? Or are you hoping for the best and only happening upon community if it's convenient? Because community is not convenient, is it? And do you wonder why maybe your, your walk with Jesus is stuck right now and you feel like you're in this mode of the same things? Maybe this is an aspect of your life that you need, to help, need help with. If you do have community, whether it's a community group or a men's ministry thing like the shop or if it's a women's ministry thing like Real Mornings or a coffee group or something else that you've created that I don't even know about that you're doing with people, then if you have the community, lean into it with the knowledge of this passage today and enjoy the act of becoming disciples of Jesus together. Just embrace it and know that it's hard, but keep going with it. There isn't anything convenient of doing life together. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes persistence. So why bother? Because it will be satisfying knowing that you are pursuing Jesus more and becoming more and more like Jesus and helping others do the same. Because it isn't just about you. Life isn't just about your walk. You are needed to help other people grow. So what does this look like for us? Well, as the connection and community pastor, of course I'm going to talk about community groups, right? So the first is community groups. To get involved in a community group in your neighborhood, that's how we help people assimilate into the life of this church. 
to meet often in that group, but also outside of the group meetings. That's also important. Be in each other's lives, to take walks together with parts of the community group. Take walks, go for coffee, talk sports, text prayers. Um, Ask each other what the Spirit is speaking to them about right now. Ask that question. What is the Spirit speaking to you about? And see what happens. Uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) Haven't been in my Bible lately. What are you learning about Jesus right now? How are you challenged by Jesus? What is he speaking to you about? Because he's always speaking. We're just not listening. Ask each other. Keep each other accountable to that. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Spur one another on towards being outward as well. They would spur each other on so that you would turn outward and you would be in our community and make a difference for Jesus, either with a project that you do with your community group or on your own, whether you uh, uh, just focus on a, a, a people group that you know needs to be changed by Jesus and you dive into that. What if we all decided to keep each other accountable to these things? Do you think we would just grow closer as, a, as people? Together? as the church? Do you think we would love Jesus more? Do you think we would be more obedient to what Hebrews 10 said today? We have some community group leaders in the foyer that would love to chat with you today. There's a, a, de- a table in the foyer and they would love to chat with you if you think the next step for you is to, in, to get involved in a community group. And they would love to chat with you or I would love to chat with you about that as well. You know, it is, it is possible to get community without an official group. If you don't have a community group, there, it is possible. We set these up to make it easier for you, but you can do it. But understand it is much harder and requires more of your effort to be more intentional with that. It can happen on your own. So you can do it. But we have created these opportunities for you so that it's even easier for you to do that. And that's why we provide this for you. Because we believe that community is important. There's actually 34 connecting groups, community groups in our church. There's 23 that are specifically community groups. But then beyond that, we have men's and women's. And, and beyond that, we even have youth and kids. Your kids right now, if you have kids, they're upstairs in, in small group being community together. On Wednesdays, there's a youth group and they're in community together. And my son, my oldest son, has the best friend group that I could ever wish for. When he comes to youth, he knows that they're there for each other. They're 14. Beyond community, there's something that, I, that I've been talking to our community group leaders about, and that's becoming even smaller than a community group. For some of you, you've, you've been in community for a while, and you just get into that routine, you think, now what? What else? So we've been teaching our community groups about this thing called a DNA group. And what this DNA group is, is a group of three people, gender specific, that can really get deep with each other on a a regular basis. Outside of the community group meetings, you would get together with three people in that community and go deeper. And you would ask these three questions. This is what DNA stands for. To discover, to push each other on how God is speaking to each other in in the Bible. Say, what are you learning about right now? What are we discovering together about God? who he is, what he means to us. How does that change our lives? The second is to nurture, to care for each other and, and help each other with, with asking, what do you believe about God right now and how is that affecting how, what you're reading in the Bible? Do you understand, how is the gospel changing you in that? And the third thing is to act, 
to be pushing and prodding each other, to be spurring each other on toward living out your faith, sharing the gospel with those who don't need Jesus, but praying for them by name. If you don't have someone to pray by name, then that's something that maybe you should consider doing. To remember, there is people that don't know Jesus, and, they, and if you believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, then they need to know Jesus. So pray for them. Ask others in your little group to pray. Ask for your community group to pray. As you go into that neighborhood, or as you go into your workplace, or as you go into those situations where you run into them at the soccer field, and you just know there's got to be a way to help them know who Jesus is and how he's real. These DNA groups should be done with those around you that are already in community with. I think that makes it an into and not on top of. It's not like I'm asking you to go on top of what we're doing and saying, I'm already busy. Why are you asking me to do more things? It's going to break. My life's going to break. But to build into this with the relationships you've already started forming. If you have questions about DNA groups or how to do that, just come and talk to me. I'd love to chat with you about that. But community is a privilege. There's a lot of lonely people who don't have community in our world, isn't there? There's a lot of people, especially in Canada, that feel lonely. And there's a lot that keeps us from community. There is a lot. I'm just going to name a few, but there's a lot. It could be that you're just tired. It could be that you are a young adult and you are tired and things are hard when you've got work and you've got school and you've got girlfriends and boyfriends and other things like that. It could be that you're a, a, a parent like me. Four kids is what I've got. I understand what it's like to have little kids. Maybe that keeps you from community. Maybe it's the kids' sports and their schedules. Maybe it's the fact that, that you are introverted and it's just so hard to act like Wes. Because <laughs> I'm an extrovert. If you haven't seen that, and if you don't know me, I'm an extrovert. I know that it must be hard if you're an introvert to get to know other people. Maybe you struggle with anxiety and that's the issue. It's just, whoa, I'm not used to this. Understand that all of these examples are very real. These obstacles are very real and we cannot make them little. These obstacles are real, but they also contribute to the loneliness in our culture. They really do. They stop us from engaging with others. Something that is needed for us to grow in Jesus. But the effort for having a community is worth it. It is worth it. At times, I haven't always had community, but I'm telling you, when I've had community, it's been awesome. If this is you and you're full of obstacles in your life, or if you're newer here, or if you've tried and tried and tried and tried, and you're saying, yes, yes, Wes, you always talk about community, but I never can find it. I've got another way, another way for you to do this. I'm going to invite you to come hang out with me on Tuesday at 7 p.m., it was one of these crazy ideas that I get that I, I was talking with Laura, one of our secretaries, and I just said, hey, we're just dreaming up this idea. Why don't we just have people come in and I get to know them? Because that's something that I believe I'm good at. And um, I don't know why God's made me that way, but I, I love to connect people. I love people to connect to other people. And I love getting people connected into serving and volunteering. Okay, so those are the things that I love to do. If I created a space for them to come and just hang out with me, what would happen? I don't know. This is exciting. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know who's going to show up. But why not? Right after I preach this message, that we would, come, we would have an opportunity. If you just want to just try coming Tuesday night, 
uh, 7 p.m. I will have some snacks. I will have some board games. I will have some chance to talk about some of the opportunities that we have, more opportunities for you to get connected to community, where to serve in the church, get to know you, figure out who you are and how you can contribute into the community here. And we'll just do this all together. And I'll get to interview you or talk with you to try to figure out what is the best place for you to do that. Because here on Sunday mornings, I can't get to everybody. So 7 o'clock, you can bring your kids, but I won't provide childcare. So they're just there. So embrace the chaos of life, right? Like what I said? We'll just embrace this. It'll be loud at times and that sort of thing. Just if you want to do that, I know you kids have bedtimes and all that stuff. But if they want to come, they can come. And we'll have some snacks as well. So it's called the Southridge Open House. Maybe you're here and you're curious about Christianity and you, or you're newer to Christianity and you're not really sure. Can I tell you, and maybe you even know this better than I do, that, that being a community really does help. That if you've got questions, being community really does help. So before you even come to Jesus for the first time, being in community is a great way to explore, to question, to challenge, to ask, to watch. Now, some of you are people watchers out there. And to just watch and see, how am I supposed to live for Jesus? Well, that's a way to do it, is to be in community. But community doesn't just magically happen on its own. It needs intentionality. As we follow Jesus, we need others to follow so that we can follow Jesus more fully. Okay? We need that. We need each other. With effort, you can experience community. Are you ready to take another step in your walk with Jesus and deepen the role of community in your life? It's up to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we have heard from you in Hebrews 10 this morning. You have created us for community. We need each other, and it is clear that you have revealed this to us in a greater way this morning. We pray for your voice to be clear in our hearts and minds as we pursue you as a group of people who are the body of Christ represented here. Let us not settle for status quo. Let us not settle for convenience, but give us courage to building this into our lives. That it may not feel like it is on top of our already busy schedules. May following you more fully be a priority for us. And we ask that you help us build this mentality into our lives. We ask you these things in the powerful name of you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.